Hey yo, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So I'm back on the road. I'm in Montreal, Quebec, once again. After like four long years. So for anyone who missed the uh, announcement last episode, I started a travel podcast called Roaming Holiday. I'm going to put out an episode every week. Uh, if you can't find it on the podcast service of your choice, it should be up there, but you can just go to keithcourage.com, scroll down to Roaming Holiday, and all the links are there. So if you want to hear about my Montreal adventures in exhaustive detail, <laughs> that's there for you. But I thought, man, I can't go to a different city after all this time and not do a writing podcast from here since the last batch of how to write a novel podcasts have all just been, you know, the brakes suddenly got put on of just like, whoops, COVID, uh-oh, stuck in my hometown, how's that gonna work? And you know, everything was going slow before then, everything continued to go slow, even more slow probably, but I didn't stop. That's the uh, TLDR about COVID in my hometown. Working a little bit every day, at least that technique kept me going and I didn't stop. But I'm very excited, obviously, to get moving again because I found being stuck in my little hometown a very stifling environment, having a hard time finding places to go write and switching over to a Chromebook where now I've got a lot more options and I've switched back to writing on a phone, which I guess I'll talk about that real briefly because I was saying how I got this Pixel 2 which is not the super newest phone, you know, they're up to like Pixel 5 or 6 or something. So the Pixel 2 is a little bit older, but it's still, you know, like a much higher quality smartphone than what I had before. And I was saying how uh, I don't find it so bad to write on it. I can write with the touchscreen pretty well. And with the glide typing and predictive text. Oh shit. And with the glide typing and predictive text, it's not that bad. I almost slipped on some, some wet leaves. And that definitely got confirmed because uh, my other old phone that I just used for MP3s mainly, it uh, broke. So I just, real quick before I left town, I just went to a thrift store and bought like whatever cheap crappy droid. They didn't really have anything like refurbished, any decent phones. So I got this one that it was brand for, you know, you get it brand new for $100 and it's just garbage. It's just this little plasticky piece of crap. It can barely play a 720p video. It uh, uses the light version of apps because it's so unpowerful. <laughs> you know, this thing is garbage. But it's fine for, you know, I have the Pixel is my writing phone and I use it just for maps because it has a better GPS. So that's that phone. That's what that's for. And then the other phone is just all my other junk, you know, just mp3s and watching youtube and whatever listening to podcasts and it's perfect for that but it's very noticeable how much worse the touchscreen is it's just really like all of a sudden i'm back to my same complaint i had before anytime i gotta type something in on this touchscreen it's just a nightmare it's just awful it's just struggling to make anything work where with the pixel phone which is like the official google branded phone it's just nice and smooth. So I got to assume it's probably the same way with Apple stuff or high-end Samsung phones or whatever. I do think if you're going to use a phone to write, which is 
very handy. It's very nice to just have a phone in your pocket. It's so portable. But I think it's definitely worth, you know, don't buy a brand new phone necessarily because, you know, they're like $900 or you get on these horrifying plans and you got to pay them off for years. But if you can get a refurbished one that's, you know, a few years old, but it, but it is one of the good brands, like this one I got was a display model. So it was just sitting in the display room. It was essentially new and I got it for like 60 bucks, Canadian. You know, the world is awash in, in smartphones. You can find them and it's very much worth it to get a good one to do writing with because it's night and day. The touchscreen technology is so much better on the real phone. It's just incredibly better. If I had to write on the screen with my little crappy one, I just wouldn't, you know, I'd still be searching for some solution. And I'm only here in Montreal for uh, 12 days. This is my last day, in fact, because Airbnb prices have gotten horrifying in Canada since COVID. And restaurant prices and flight prices, everything is much, much worse than it used to be. For further details, see the Roaming Holiday podcast. So instead of hanging out for a whole month like I used to do, only here for 12 days, just starting to get my footing again. It's like, I don't think I need to check a map. I'm pretty sure I know which way to go from here to get where I'm trying to go. It feels very nice though to be back. But uh, yeah, I just thought I'd talk real quick though about how this transition has gone, how this has affected my writing, getting back to my old routine of wandering around a bigger, more interesting city, you know, and doing writing. And it was a little weird because, uh, so my Metro card was expired. It turns out I've got my array of Metro cards from all the major cities I've been to. I got an Amsterdam one, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Tokyo. Turns out the Montreal one expires after four years, which it has been. It's probably been like six years since I bought that thing. So since I was only here for 12 days, I decided not to get a new Metro card. I mean, the cards are only $6, but the city's not that big. I wasn't sure if I wanted to buy a Metro card because I'm just not sure exactly when or how often I'll be back to Montreal. It's still a great city. I like it a lot, but the price is just so, so bad. To stay here for 12 days was like $650, and that was the cheap place. It just goes up from there, where back in the day, I could have found a whole month for just a little more than that. Sadly, those days are done. All the nice little cheap holes in the wall that had monthly discounts and stuff, COVID took them out. They were not financially feasible anymore. So I'm not like in a big rush to come back to Montreal if I'm gonna spend that kind of money, you know, go somewhere more interesting, which is what I'm doing tomorrow, beginning the journey out to Japan expensive to get there but once I get there it's actually cheaper than this place so it just seems weird to spend premium amounts on Canada. Canada's just my my fucking backyard. I've been here so many times it's just not worth it. So I decided not to buy a metro card but that did lock me down a bit. City's not huge but I mean it still takes a few hours to walk across it. So that kept me a little more limited to my neighborhood. I was by Agrenal Park where I've stayed before. I'm sure nobody else remembers my podcast as well as I do, but I just remember the episode Verlan, where I came up with a 
neat way to display an alien language based on French slang. I was in Agrenon Park when I recorded that episode. So I'm back in that neighborhood and uh, the weather's been a little up and down. So when it was rainy, I was very much just stuck in that neighborhood. Oh, this is kind of nice. There's a slight high-pitched whine, but it's because there's Halloween stuff up. They have a little, little generator going to keep their stuff inflated. So if there's gonna be an annoying noise, at least it's for a cool reason. So yeah, in the rainy weather, when I was really just in that neighborhood by Agronal, by Monk Station, not a heck of a lot in that specific neighborhood. I just ended up going to Tim Hortons and it's like, hmm, this feels an awful lot like uh, things have been for the last several years in my hometown. Just going to freaking Tim Hortons, the only difference is now I can order a cafe moyen avec de crème s'il vous plaît et boston d'érable. But that was, uh, you know, <laughs> not exactly setting my juices afire. But then on the nicer days, I would go a little further. There's, uh, if you cross a canal, there's a neighborhood called Verdun that I knew a bit. I used to go to, uh, uh, what's that crappy donut chain? Um, Dunkin' Donuts. We don't have any Dunkin' Donuts on the East Coast. I did uh, remember there were some in New York and it was always like just bad. You know, you'd get like the little breakfast sandwich with the paper wrapping. And if you accidentally take a bite out of the paper wrapping, you might not notice because it's essentially the same as the food you're trying to eat. I don't know, there's people that'll swear by any crappy place. There's people that love Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, you know, just look at Canadians and Tim Hortons. It's not good, but you know, if you grow up with it, you just think it's the best. But I went there because it was lame, because it was unpopular. It was just me and a bunch of old people just hanging out at the crappy Dunkin' Donuts. It was a fun place to go right but it has been replaced with uh, a chicken store, which I already knew about actually, because I was watching these YouTube videos where people just walk around cities. Montreal was one of the cities I would throw on just for some ambient walking visuals. And I saw a guy walking down that street, I think it's called Wellington. And I was like, wait a second, I'm quite sure that's the corner where the Dunkin' Donuts is supposed to be. What is this? Fried chicken shop. <laughs> so, so I was prepared. But that's the main reason I knew that neighborhood. But it's actually a really cool neighborhood. It's pretty good, Verdun. So I just started making that my plan. It's like, if I'm only gonna be here for just under two weeks, let's just go get to know that neighborhood. So I did, I went there all the time, got to know it a bit better, figure out where places are, what's going on. Made my, my Montreal experience kind of smaller, but, but it wasn't bad, but I was still having a hard time. You know, again, there's the Tim Hortons there, and there were a couple of fancier pants coffee shops but none that really, I don't know, they just didn't feel quite comfortable. Kind of go in, way overspend for a coffee, and they just didn't have that vibe necessarily that you could just hang out there. Like that's one thing I do like about corporate coffee. Like there's a big uh, Starbucks near Yoyogi Park in Tokyo. It's like two or three stories high, and you can just go up there and just sit there and you can just be there all day. No one cares because it's really big and it's just corporate. It's not like a mom and pop shop. Where I don't know, it's, it's like ironic. I'd rather support the mom and pop shop and maybe they wouldn't care if I did just hunker down and hang out there for two hours. But it just, I don't know, maybe I'm just rattled from COVID times. It felt, feels weird to, 
wanted to uh, have interpersonal contact with people. I want to just sort of do my own thing, stay a bit anonymous, just stay by myself. I just couldn't find a place in Verdun where that really worked for me. Because the neighborhood is just, it's too cool. <laughs> I couldn't just be an anonymous guy unless I wanted to go to Tim Hortons. So I was kind of squeezing in some writing, but it wasn't going great. Finally, what really clicked is I was like, okay, I got to do something a little more substantial while I'm here. So my big favorite place was the St. Joseph's Oratory. It's this great, big, super commercial church up on a hill that they just bring buses of tourists to. But it's just awesome. I just love that place. So I finally went up there, made a trip up there. And that's when I clicked back into like, oh yeah, this is what works for me. This is what's good. I got my little phone in my pocket. I'm all set to write at any time. I don't have to drag around a laptop or even a Chromebook. I'm back to portability. And I got there. And again, it's just a big place where you can just be anonymous. There's just hundreds of people all around it and going through it. But it's big enough that I could just go to one of the weird little side pews. At first, uh, I sat in front of, there was like a cool mural or something behind me and people were taking pictures and I was like whoops I'm in the wrong spot I moved to a different one where there's just nothing there just a blank spot on the wall and I was like there we go perfect now no one cares about me sitting here and man that felt good that was what I was missing is like wake up in the morning pick a target for a little adventure go for a hike so I got to uh, you know took two and a half hours maybe to walk there so a nice little walk-in adventure get to a beautiful place see the beautiful place soak it in importantly they have a, a public washroom there <laughs> very important but yeah just sat there just sit on the pew blasphemously listen to music at a quiet volume you know not to be too obnoxious but also just got my phone out it's so inconspicuous because everybody in there has got their phones out taking pictures and texting people and stuff so it's not really weird that I'm just sitting there staring at my phone and I just sat there and did writing until I had to go pee again I figured that was a good sign to get the heck out of there but I was like there we go that's what I was missing that's the thing I couldn't do in my hometown because there was just you know literally nowhere to go and then today it just got kind of confirmed I figured for my last day let's take one more further adventure so I went up Mount Royal and there's like a chalet at the top of Mount Royal where there's this view of downtown Montreal. That's another place I used to like to go to. So I took the hike up the hill. It took about the same amount of time. It's in a similar area as the oratory. But then when I got to the top, very busy, a lot of people. I gotta say, I guess that's another thing that I found uncomfortable about just hanging out at the local Tim Hortons also. Oh, underpass. Can you hear an echo? Probably not. Too loud with all this traffic. But yeah, I know we're post-COVID, quote unquote, but I don't really know what that means. I've just kind of been outside of COVID in my little hometown. I've really never had to worry about it. But when COVID was going on, Quebec was by far the, the most infected province in Canada like the numbers were bananas they were way higher here than they were anywhere else which I got to assume maybe it's just something cultural I don't know there's a very distinct French culture here and maybe the French culture was just to say fuck it you know we refuse we refuse to, to, 
take any precautions. We refuse to stop kissing each other on the lips. Or the cheeks, or I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the fuck they do here. <laughs> I have no idea. But something happened here where they had COVID everywhere. And even just beyond that, I just don't want to be sick. I was sick last time I traveled to Japan. And I just feel like there's people coughing everywhere. Everywhere I go, there's people coughing. Everyone seems to be sick. And I cannot fucking believe that I don't seem to be sick. I got like a little tickle in the back of my throat, but it hasn't really developed into anything. And it's like a miracle. I think I got away with it. Cause at this point, even if I get sick right at this second, it shouldn't develop into anything too terrible during the actual transit of getting me to Japan. I think I somehow got away with it. I don't know, I was shocked. But it made it extra uncomfortable to just be in places like coffee shops, packed in with people, people coughing and stuff. And it's like, oh, I just don't want to do this. So a place like St. Joseph's, even with all the tourists, that I could stay to myself and just go off into the corner really helped. So the same thing at the chalet at the top of Mount Royal. There were people everywhere, all kinds of people at the guardrail, looking out at the view and stuff. And even the chalet itself had quite a few people, but it's a really big chalet. And with my new uh, attempts not to sit, you know, I didn't need to jockey for any chairs or any tables. I didn't want them. Instead, I went over to the corner where there's these big ancient windows, but the uh, windowsill, these big rock windowsills were perfectly, the perfect height to come up to like my elbows. So I just stood there. I just stood in front of one of the windows and used the uh, windowsill as my, my little desk and just took out my phone and did some writing. And it's like, there we go, worked again. That's definitely what works for me. That's what I gotta carry forward into Japan and see how it goes. Not necessarily to find a coffee shop, coffee shops are not necessarily I mean maybe that'll work I'm sure that is quite a bit of what I'll do but they're not necessarily that comfortable I don't necessarily feel like I just can relax there that it's like I can just take my time I do feel a little bit under the gun of like I don't want to just sit here at this coffee shop all the live long day if I can just find a place just a cool place to go to preferably that has a washroom somewhere nearby as well that I could just hunker down. I should be pretty flexible. I think there's uh, and I mean, that's kind of the fun of Japan is everything is a cool place to go. Literally everywhere I just wandered randomly was always awesome, just always something cool. I'm not sure how well I can do outdoor stuff because of the time of year. I don't think it's gonna get extremely cold in Tokyo and then I'm going down south to Fukuoka, so it shouldn't be too bad. So maybe, I mean, I got those little gloves, you know, that uh, you can use a touchscreen through your gloves. Maybe, maybe I can just sit there and write with my gloves. But I think I will be limited a bit just due to the time of year. But that's the plan, that's the method. Pick a little daily adventure, pick a cool place to go or just a cool neighborhood to explore or just something. And it turns out kind of touristy trap sort of national landmark type places are very good. <laughs> They're very good for that. You can just kind of hang out there and it feels cool and you can just do some right. That's my plan. So anyway, that's the little update. I just thought I'd mention that, uh, yeah, at first it was a little awkward, a little weird. At first it just felt like I was transplanting my dubious methods from my hometown into a new city. And it's like, hmm, 
I'm just, this, is, this has not been the magical cure-all <laughs> that I hoped it would be. This is a little awkward. This is not going great. I'm really having a hard time squeezing writing into my days sometimes. But yeah, once I just started going to more interesting places, it just felt so good. Ah, it feels so, and it's such a nice, like, uh, you know, you, doubling things up or tripling things up. You know, I'm not just going for a walk. I'm not just going to see a landmark. I'm not just writing. I'm doing all those things. In order to get to the landmark, I get my little exercise walk. Then once I'm at the landmark, it's not just the, well, what am I doing here? Because I've always had that problem with landmarks. Just to go to a landmark for its own sake, I'm like, why am I here? What, why am I supposed to care about this, you know? And just caught some French in the wild. Um, yeah, I've always felt that way about uh, landmark famous stuff, you know, like I'd go see things in New York or whatever and just be like, all right, I guess I saw it. But I couldn't really muster up a true ability to care. <laughs> but then I'm there to do some writing. So that folds into that as well. And I get a three for one. I get to do the three cool things in the day, have a little adventure, get some exercise, do some writing, all together. And they each help me do one another. You know, it all works symbiotically. So, so far so good. Next up, I have a 34 hour travel, four hour flight to Calgary, 20 hour layover in the Calgary airport, 10 hours to uh, Tokyo then two or two and a half hours to get to my first Airbnb. I got some serious traveling ahead of me. Again, if you'd like details, the Roaming Holiday Podcast, I'm gonna stop, you know, constantly pitching you my travel podcast, but, but I mean, if you like the travel stuff and you're tired of hearing me yammer about writing this book that I can never finish, I mean, hey, that's what it's for, it's perfect. For Song of the Day, Montreal got me thinking about, uh, there's this band called the Necromantics. They're from Denmark, I think. They're a psychobilly band that is very cool. And I remember I was always like, hey, and I'd love to see them live. That'd be so cool. And this is like a sign of getting old. I did see them. Me and my friend Matt came here and saw them in Montreal. And it was awesome. But like three years after that, the Necromantics came up in a playlist or something. And I had that thought for a second. I'm like, oh man, yeah, it'd be so cool to see them. And then the backup thought came in, the memory of like, hey, dickhead, you did see them. It's like, oh yeah, huh. <laughs> it's just that if I had seen them when I was young, that would be an enduring memory for all time. The problem is by the time I saw them, I was a little too old to be just a concert guy. And it just didn't stick in my mind. Same thing when I saw Tiger Army in Vancouver. Those things happened, but they didn't happen happen. You know, it's not the same as when I saw like the Misfits when I was 20. That's the one that, you know, I remember. Propagandy when I was 21. Vlogging Molly when I first moved to Vancouver when I was like 24. Those are the concerts that are just like, holy shit. KMFDM I saw around that time too, just awesome. Or I feel like anything once I hit my 30s, it's just not the same. It's like, yeah, technically I saw those bands, but I just, it just slips in my mind now. It's not, it's not special no more. I don't know what the point of this fucking <laughs> downbeat ramble is. <laughs> I don't know, go see bands when you're young, I guess. 
it is just way better. But the Necromantics made me think of, they had a side band called the Horror Pops. And I did see the Horror Pops at uh, the Warp Tour once. They're just one of those little half hour sets, but super awesome. And yeah, this band just rules. They're super good. This is the song Hit and Run by the Horror Pops. A band I have not thought about for years, but who are extremely cool. Thank you for listening. I will see you next time. Bye.